Welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Jackson. And I'm Sam. On today's episode, we'll be chatting all about private practice season two, episodes three and four. Episode three, Nothing to Talk About, was written by Ayana A. Floyd and directed by Helen Shaver. It aired on October 22nd, 2008 to 7.98 million viewers. Episode 4, Past Tense, was written by Craig Turk and directed by Michael Pressman. It aired on October 29th, 2008 to 7.93 million viewers. Enjoy! Hi, Sam. Hi, Jackson. How are you? You know I am. I'm. I'm doing well. It's a yeah. A, it's a new year, new uh, new developments in the world. Hopefully, good by the time we're airing this. Um, oh boy, yeah. So <laughs> let's let's just say things have gone well, and and we're in an exciting new chapter. Yes, new year, same me. Same new year, new stylist, same me. Oh, who's your stylist? You have a new hairstylist. New hairstylist. I don't have a, a fashion stylist. I, apparently, according to uh, to many of the people in my life, I dress like a drama student, all black. Yeah, I'd agree. You you do have a pop of rainbow every once in a while, though. I do. I do. That's that's what I said in response to being called a drama student. <laughs> At least it's not jewel tone dress and nude heels. Thank goodness. <laughs> my friend Tor is a stylist, and she is Ooh. my she is my like stylist for any event I have to do Uh she goes shopping with me or like sends me links not that there are any events nowadays but you know when we left our houses she was my stylist nice nice I just had two (laughs) or three go-to looks for every event (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah what's your first note for these episodes let's say episode three my first note for episode three Sam is omg the lip syncs of the oohs and ahs and the elvis song while Sam and Naomi are in bed is a choice yeah, that I, I just, am enjoying very fully. <laughs> I just uh, tuned out for that little section. I remembered it being too much for me to handle. <laughs> so I my my first note is about the treadmills because I was just like, you know, I'm going to look at my phone for a minute because I felt yeah. like it was an invasion of privacy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I I do I love a creative direction choice on what, on a Shonda Lynch. We know this, absolutely, and, and I I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. <laughs> What's your note about the gym, Sam? Okay, so the treadmills are going so fast, and I am so nervous. I haven't been to a gym in nearly a year because of Miss Rona making her grand debut. But Same. when I, when I did, I mostly did elliptical or like a stair climber thing because I don't love a treadmill. Like, why are you running in the same place? I get it. But, you know, um, but I feel like when I feel like I really just want to torture myself and go in a treadmill, maybe I'm just a slow runner. But I feel like 10, 11 is real fast. Oh, she was only going that fast because because of the situation, I think. No, I know, but I would never it's take very it fast. up past like six. And I feel like they should be going like... Oh, I go at seven and a half all the time, Sam. Oh, see, I wouldn't go faster than like six, but that's me. Got it, got it. So seven and a half was my go-to when I still went to the gym. 
Yeah, yeah. I um I'm realizing now that this is an audio medium and the flailing of my hands is not going to come across to the viewers, but um the viewers to our dear listeners, but please dear listeners, um imagine my hands flailing very fast like running legs. Like <laughs> There is absolutely nothing worse, Sam, than that flailing of my arms. No, than running into people you know in the gym. And them talking to you. It is the absolute worst thing. And and I hate it. I think it depends on what gym you're at. I think it's also to, worse to have people who don't know you talk to you at the gym. People who don't know me don't talk to me at the gym. Oh, that's because you are a uh, male. We just stare at each other instead. Oh, no, no, no. I, I Especially when I was at Planet Fitness near my old, old apartment... I, uh, like, could not go to the gym without a friend because all these, like, big fellas would come over and be like, hey, baby, you need some help? And I'd be like, no, I, I do not need assistance. Thank you. If I need a trainer, Ew. I will get one that is supplied to me from the gym, not you. That is gross. See, yeah. the boys the boys at my gym and I would just look at each other from a distance, from across the room while we worked out. No talking. My next note is, Addy down, Addy down. <laughs> Ugh. Yes, I know. I don't – ugh. That's like my worst nightmare for the gym. Yeah. That's why you don't go on the treadmill very much. See, I only go on the treadmill at the gym. Uh, but, but you know, I am smart enough to not run to the point where that happens to me. Yeah, no. No, no, no. Two dates seems to be my limit. Me too, Addison. Me too. <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> That's it. Not always, but but 99% of the time, two dates seems to be my limit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. Let's go with yes. that. Yes. Violet's hair is perfect in this episode. It is absolutely stunning and and it's just almost too perfect for someone who has such a such a busy busy day. It's gorgeous. I have a note about her hair in the next episode. Ooh, I can't wait to hear it. Shall we dive into the patient, Sam? I think we should. So first we have Frank Kimball, who has PTSD, panic attacks, blackouts, and then later burns. We have Baby Miles, who has a large head. And then we have Linda and Jesse. Linda has insomnia, and Jesse is being checked out for um, for being a sociopath. And then later we're going to talk about Addison in the hospital, and also Naomi, Del, Sam in the practice. All right. Let's dive into Frank. What did you think here, Sam? So I love this actor, Ernie Hudson. He's, for me, most notably Jacob from Grace and Frankie. Okay. But he also played the head doctor on the other team when Seattle Grace Mercy West played the baseball game. Oh, right. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. I I only knew that because I looked at his IMDb being like I know him from something Grace related as well. I saw him in a baseball cap and I was like, "What?" But yeah, he's also had an incredible voiceover career. He's worked steadily since the 80s. He's in everything. He was in um a million other credits that are slipping my mind, but He's wonderful. He's one of those people who you want to have a career like them, you know? Looks like we get two guest star spotlights today. Oh, yeah. I I look to see you. You're welcome. I look to see who yours was to make sure you didn't do him. But besides 
Ernie Hudson's incredible, you know, career in character and acting, toxic masculinity is a plague. Like, what is wrong with liking to wear soft or smooth clothing? Like, I get that some communities and some lines of work are more strict than others, but, like, who cares if you wear silk underwear? Like, who is that hurting? Right, exactly. I think I was very, very torn on this subject line. Yes, again, there's a lot of stigma around that. Um, Around the storyline, yes. Again, there is a lot of stigma around the choices he was making, still even to this day with toxic masculinity playing heavily into that. But at the same time, there were many moments in the treatment where it just felt very outdated and gendery, and it felt like there were too many jokes from the doctors about it. I just didn't love it. I cringed a lot during yeah. during his scenes. I feel like as the storyline went on, it was more... I don't want to say acceptable. Like the way that Pete was handling it was more what would be expected. Right. And I think I think Pete overall handled it pretty well with him. Yes. But just the overall the overall verbiage around the situation was a little a little outdated to me. But again, this was also 2008. It was yes. a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean, when you have panic attacks and PTSD and any sort of thing like that where you feel when your body is telling you to feel uncomfortable in situations that maybe don't actually pose a threat. I mean, everybody has their own thing, right? Like some people use lavender. Some people use peppermint or ginger. Like I have a little stone that my dad got for me that like if I'm somewhere where I feel super anxious, I can like feel, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody has their thing. Whatever helps. Like he's a hero and whatever helps him get through the day is fine. Right. Like like Pete said, I don't care what you're wearing as long as you get me out alive. Yes. Yes. That is my next note. I That scene uh, when he came in with the burns is really where, where I started to feel better about the storyline and its treatment. It was, it was just so sad to see the amount of shame he had around it. He had so much shame to the point where he wouldn't even let the ER doctors check him out. He had to have yeah. Pete, the one person he trusted, come do it. Um, yeah. And then the way Pete handled it was really beautiful from that point on. So a good way to end end the storyline. Yeah, yeah. And that's all I have there. Yeah, this this actor's career is just wonderful. And I feel like he's also a great person, you know? Like I feel like if I was on set with him, he'd be who I eat lunch with. Right, right. People <laughs> who work that much tend to be good people. Yes, I agree. I agree. He's awesome. He's so great. Next, we have Baby Miles. I don't have a ton on him. Do you have much? I don't either. I wasn't really drawn into his plot until till near the end of it. It almost felt like a Z plot for the first three quarters of the episode. And then after we get the big head pep talk with Charlotte, I was like, okay, now I see where this is going. And And as usual, it's always nice to see how Cooper relates to these children he does mm-hmm. such a beautiful job of communicating with that age group as a doctor, yeah. relating his own his own experience feeling different as a kid um, to to the child's mother to mm-hmm. reassure her that her kid's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Cooper's a great doctor. I love the little quirky music underneath in the original, in like the, the first consult. I was waiting for it. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know how in in Grey's and even on other shows where there's multiple things, um, there'll be like the do 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 do. Yeah. It doesn't really sound like that, but it's just like the the plunky music. I kept waiting for that to come. It came a little too late in the scene for my liking, but I am not the sound director on this <laughs> show. I am not the sound director on any show, so um, that's that. <laughs> yes. I did think, though, that the comparison from this kid to Cooper is a stretch. Yes, I had agreed. But, you know, when you have Charlotte coming in, giving her, like, queen pep talk there, I'm like, oh, I can see it when you when you you explain that so forcefully. <laughs> sure. Sure. Let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Linda and Jesse are next. I, I don't have a ton on any of these patients right now um but the second she walked into the room i remember the storyline and i got i got very tense i was like yeah it's an it's an eerie one coming in i sleep four hours on a good night same queen same (laughs) maybe i should take violet's advice i said yes and it was i just i love seeing violet work i think she has the most interesting specialty on the show and i think she is so excellent at it, despite having, you know, a pretty chaotic personal life at times. Yeah, she's good at her job, not good at applying what she needs to herself. But many of us are that way, I find. For a second, I wondered if the mom actually killed the dog and she was framing the son. Yeah, that's what I thought my first time watching as well. I did remember that. I feel like sociopaths aren't that rare. I mean, not that I know more about this than Violet does, but I feel like I've come across quite a few. Okay. I don't know. Cooper sure gave her a lot of pressure when he said, you don't want to be the one that missed Columbine. I'm like, chill out, Cooper. You're going to make her so anxious. Well, he's not wrong. He's not. But I wouldn't want someone saying that to me if I was trying to solve a mystery. You know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. The kid, Jesse, has a pen click that is so aggressive. When she's he sure like, does. You fill this out or we'll be here all day. And then it's like. Shall we move on to to Addison and her surgeries? Yeah. Anything about Addison I'm happy to talk about all day. All right. I was so excited when we found out she'd be going to the hospital to do some surgeries. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, it's our Grey's Anatomy moment. Pulling that scrub cap out of the drawer. The scrub Ready cap. to slay all day in the OR. Yes. One of my notes is literally, welcome back, scrub cap. <laughs> <laughs> but... I mean, I, I, I understand and I acknowledge that she is Superwoman, but who falls off a treadmill and then showers, does her hair, get dressed, and then goes to the ER. I might. Not if – I don't think that if you fell off a treadmill, you would do all that. If I fell off a treadmill and I was still able to walk, I think I'd want to take a shower and like do my hair and makeup first. Also, weren't urgent cares not a thing yet? I thought she was at St. Ambrose. She No, yeah, she was at the emergency room. Yeah. I, I don't know why she went to the emergency room and not an urgent care, besides for the obvious pl- plot point of seeing Dell. Hospitals are what she knows. She worked there for so much of her life, you know? I know. You're probably right. Speaking of Dell, he is now working at St. Ambrose. He seems He seems sharper. You know, perhaps it's because he's not in an environment where he's crushing so hard on his boss. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, you got a, little, a few points back now uh, on the scale of liking you. That's good. 
I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. I agree on on Dell as well. Going forward, when Addie is back in Scrubs, I just the sky is bluer, the trees are greener. I got an instant burst of serotonin to my brain seeing her in Scrubs. Oh, love it. Yeah. You know, she feels centered when she has that scalpel in her palm. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. uh to paraphrase her quote. Yeah. So it is certainly, you know, a bluer sky moment. Yes. I love it. I love it. Charlotte's right, though. She is a surgeon. She works well at the practice because of her attention to details and patient care. But she's an incredible surgeon, and that's where she belongs, you know? Yes, she is. Um, But at the same time, in this particular instance, she's not necessarily valuing those patients as individuals. She's losing losing that that connection she has at the practice um, and that she's had with – that we saw her have in the past with her patients on Grey's Anatomy as well. You know, I think a lot of it's just the rush of getting to be in that environment again. Um, and also, you know, the the stereotypical surgeon complex. Like, they're gods. Um, yes. And I think so living in that— character for her. Right. Living in that high again, I think she just forgot about a little bit about the humanity of the experience. Um, mm-hmm. So bravo to Heather's husband for reminding her of that. To place your values above the profit— and find that balance like we've been doing all season. All three episodes of the season. We love a theme. <laughs> so at 21 minutes and 57 seconds when Addie is in surgery, there's a trill sound from probably a machine or something. It sounds huh. exactly like the buzzer in my old apartment. I don't live there anymore and I haven't lived there for a while, but I still paused private practice, got up and went to check my door knowing that no one was there. Right. It was like Pavlovian. 21 minutes and 57 seconds. It's It was it was Pavlovian. That's the only word for well, it. <laughs> shall we move on to the whole practice storyline with Naomi and Sam and Dell, etc.? Do you mean the private practice? Yes, the private practice. Oceanside mm, Wellness. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I think we could. We could move on. Naomi, why are you visiting Dell? That is such a bad idea, or so I thought at that point, you know, as I realized very, uh, very shortly after that while watching, you know, Dell made a very big mistake, but he's, he's a pretty good employee and at his core, he's not such a bad guy. So maybe it's worth Naomi giving him this second chance. As long as she sets clear, clear boundaries and he agrees to follow them. So I took a little 180 there uh, over the course of the episode with Naomi and Dell. Okay. Okay. I mean, we, we do have to notice that everything fell apart when he left. Everything. Oh, absolutely. And that temp was a disaster. Oh, my God. Wait, we got her name this episode. What was it? It starts with a T. Trisha? Jody. Is that it? No. No. No, it is Jody. Oh, they skip right over her in his Grey's wiki page. I mean, it was one episode. Um, Listeners, dear listeners, if you are someone who has seen private practice before, you'll know why I don't want Addison. Why, why do I keep calling you Addison? Because I was a redhead briefly. When? When I was a teenager. I didn't know you. I know. <laughs> but um, photos exist. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, dear listeners, if you've seen the show, you know why I don't want 
Jackson to look at Pete's page or anyone's page really but I won't I promise I haven't I know I know it's real tempting but don't so where were we we were talking about how the practice was a mess when Dell was gone and Jody was there yes but also he Dell's right he wasn't being taught at all at Oceanside Wellness Addie taught him a little bit when she was newly there but how many years was he taken advantage of as just the office manager when he was there to get his midwife stuff done but that wasn't why he was there he was there as the office manager I think it was a dual thing huh from my experience as a first-time viewer it was not clear that he was hired to learn midwife skills to me I had the impression that he was the office manager, and he had happened to start taking midwife classes on the side and was then trying to get more training while he was at work. I would I would agree with that, but say that there's like a I'm, – I'm under the impression that there was some understanding that he would get some midwife training while he's there. Okay. I could see that. Yeah. But it wasn't official, I don't think. Yeah, nothing in writing. I don't see them putting anything in writing. But now he is back – with a list of written demands. Yeah. So dramatic. Who does he think he is? Me? He thinks he's Dell. <laughs> um, I think he's trying to be respectful of Naomi's space, and he's probably a little bit embarrassed about what happened. Oh, I, th- I can definitely see that. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't like when Sam was all over Violet about, this is a 15-minute appointment. 15-minute appointment. Like, this isn't a car dealership. True. Not the car dealerships are... I can't think of anything that needs to be, like... This isn't a clock factory. Let's say that. But at the same time, if Violet has four consults scheduled in an hour, and that first consult takes 45 minutes, you better believe that second patient is going to leave and refuse to pay. I would. If you had to wait an extra 15 minutes? An extra 30 minutes, yes. 15. Oh, really? Yes. I feel like For normally, a consult? Yeah. Normally, I feel like no matter where I am, I always wait way past my appointment time. Oh, I usually don't. But I also don't really tolerate tardiness more than once from any organization or person. Yeah, no. Except when I'm building my booth. <laughs> right. Because it will make my life easier later. Yes. Oh, but also, why... It's a co-op, right? They each paid in to be part owners. So if it's a co-op, then why don't the rest of the doctors have a say in this time is money thing that Sam is so about right now? Because someone has to be in charge. Yeah, but they should have a say is what I mean. Right. And I think I think it's because yeah, everything had become so messy under Naomi's leadership by the end. That Sam just leapt in there and decided he was going to be the leader and take charge without really, really letting anyone else weigh in because it felt like a crisis situation to him, which it was. Um, so I think I think that's why they've had less say than they should. Do I think they should have a say? Yes. But that's that's why I think they're getting less of a say than they should. All the logic. You have all the logic. I do. I'm Jackson Klein. <laughs> I felt so sad when Violet said to Naomi, I used to be your Addison before she got here. That was so sad. Because I don't think Naomi had thought about it that way. Right. I do remember in the very beginning, like in the backdoor pilot, 
when Violet was like, who is this? Why is she here? I remember a bit of that, but I hadn't thought of it as in a person way, like in a you're my person way. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Violet. Short end of the stick. Always. Always. Anything else for this little section here? I don't. Do you? No, but I have some miscellaneous. So do I. I think that this episode should just be called Toxic Masculinity. We have, I can't wear women's underwear because I'm a man. We have, my dad said I had to be a man, so I killed my dog. We have, my son has a big head, so he's a freak. And then we have Del saying, I'm a man, I'm not wearing those pink scrubs. Toxic Masculinity is the title of this episode. Yep. Meeting adjourned. I literally wrote an eye roll to the pink scrubs (laughs) line. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Gilmore Dad, donuts, they are the way to the heart. Good work. They were good donuts, too. They were. Yeah. You know, I'm the Gilmore dad is growing on me, I've got to say. I kind of like him with her. Okay. Do I still think Pete and Addison are endgame based on the early episodes of season one? Yes. But I but I think we're going to see this Gilmore dad for a while, and I'm, I'm, I like him. Okay. And you still think that um, Violet and Cooper are endgame? We're going to talk about that in episode four. Okay. Okay. I can wait. I can be patient. Okay. And that's all I have for this episode. Do you have anything I- else? No, I do not. I can right. t- I can tell you all about our episode four patients, though. Absolutely. We have Brayden, who has Landau-Kleffner syndrome and acquired aphasia. We have Charbot, who has who needs uh, hymenoplasty, and then we have Meg, who has a tick, and then later we're going to talk about the vote. Not the vote we're thinking of, uh, but we will be discussing a vote. Although, let me tell you that I have a connection to elections with the vote. Should we? Let's start with that. Okay. So the air date for this episode, dear listeners, as we told you at the beginning, was October 29th, 2007. First of all, I looked it up in my calendar. This was a Wednesday. I don't know why this didn't air on a Thursday. Maybe because of the presidential debate. I don't know. I don't know if there was one. Anyway, this was the last th- Wednesday or Thursday before November 4th, 2008, Election Day, when Obama was elected. Oh, my God. So, that's wild. Yes. So I think that there's so much talk about campaigning and so much that he even says um Dell is a red state like there's no moving him like there's no moving what let's just let's say Nebraska because now right. we know we can move Georgia Woo-hoo! yes we do Georgia is not a red state anyway <laughs> I know we don't want to date an episode but I'm fine doing that because it's historic yeah Shondaland is always about voting right they're always about they're not inherently political but they're about being on the right side of history Yes. Everything Shondaland does. But I think that this was still rather early to be like, like in season, what, 16, 15, 16 of Grey's, they name, you know, the evil orange man currently in the office by name. Yeah. Um, They never did that before, especially during Scandal because, you know. Right. Fits. Fake president. Yeah. yeah. But I think that this was their way of being like, voting is important. Remember to vote. Do you have any opening notes, Sam? Is it just me or is 
Naomi and Sam getting back together not the solution for this issue. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's the solution, but no. I also don't hate it. Okay, okay. I don't love the way that Sam is acting. I don't either. But I like I like to see Naomi getting getting some action. Yeah. After being so sad for so long. I mean, yes. she still is. But, yeah. you know, a little less. Yeah. Did you notice those cupcakes on the table? No. When Maybe. They, right I saw them. Yeah, right before they say, um, Sam and Naomi, you stay in here till it's fixed. There are Sprinkles cupcakes on there. Oh, I know Sprinkles. That's the one that's from the vending machine. Yep. I've had one. And then it reminded me that this is the era of cupcakes, but soon to be the era of Froyo, and then the cookie dough, and then that rolled ice cream thing. It reminded me of like the, I don't know what we're in now. I feel like we're kind of still in the cookie dough. Yeah. Right now we're not really in anything, but Maybe ice cream? I feel like, I feel like it would be kind of neglected those trends this year. There's just some bigger issues going on yeah. in the world, I'd say. LOL, Sam. Remember phone calls before FaceTime? I hate them so much. Um, <laughs> also, LOL, I love I love a classic TV conference call. I was just watching the Alice and Janney sitcom Mom a couple uh-huh. weeks ago, and they did that same, that exact same conference call joke. And it just never gets old. I love it so much. I have never conferenced people in on a non-business call in my life, but I love that it happens on every TV show. I feel like I do it like when I'm in my apartment and my mom is at home and my dad's on a business trip. I do it then. I feel like they cancel patients a lot at Ocean. They really do. Maybe that's why they don't have any money. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's one thing if you have an emergency at the hospital, but then also just give it to another doctor. It's not like Pete can't do Sam's or Addison can't do Sam's or Sam can't do Pete's. Okay, Gilmore Dad with this sexy trip proposal. How (laughs) – I guess it just sounds especially enchanting now that we can't go anywhere. We can't go anywhere. Where I'm like, ugh, (laughs) take me, Gilmore Dad. Take me there, please. Except don't because you're straight. Okay. Anyway, also, (laughs) Addison, I respect respect that you're waiting until it feels right. And I like that you're advocating for your decision and not giving in. But I hate that she's calling them rules. Yes, I understand you. You have – you know, values you want to uphold in that moment. I don't want to do this until it feels right. But calling it rules makes it feel so rigid and stuffy and impersonal. It doesn't sound like you're in relationship with another person. It sounds like a business transaction. And my recommendation to Addison, which she may take later on in this episode, is to try letting go of expectations and just feeling it out. Like, sure, don't say no if you want to say no. I am the master of saying no. Mm-hmm. But when when it feels right, just let go and live in that moment. I did a much better job of letting go of expectations this past year with everything going on. And it makes makes such a difference in your life, Addison. Don't call them rules. Just don't. Let go of the expectations while still advocating for yourself. That's my advice, Uh to you two dear listeners. <laughs> Moving on. Shall we move on to the patient, Sam? I don't see why not. So we're starting with Brayden, correct? Yes, we are. All right. What's your first note? Oh, no. It's this mom. <laughs> My first note was also about the mom. I said, ooh, is Cooper going to have a, se- a secret affair with Brayden's mom? 
He did not. No, he did not. I remembered her. I don't. I don't think it was as soon as I saw her, but that when she said, "Do I know you from somewhere?" I was like, "Don't, don't, don't." Here's the deal, Nicole. You are on the website too. Yes. You saw him there. Yeah. Doctors are still people. As long as it's not interfering with his ability to do his job, let him live his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Doctors are still people. Celebrities are still people. You've just got to let him live without these rules that you're creating for no reason at all. Jackson D. Klein, 2021. Anti-rules. <laughs> I'm not anti-rules. Rules, as we as we hear later on in this episode, are meant to be broken. Certain rules are not. But, but <laughs> rules that have to do with safety are not meant to be broken. But, you know, rules about relationships and and how you choose to live your life are are meant to be broken as long as you're not hurting people in the process. I see another instance of showing up unannounced, Jackson, and I thought of you. You did? When uh, when Cooper goes to Nicole's home? Yes, sorry. He was saving the child's life, so it felt urgent. You know, if a doctor showed up at my door telling me I had a brain tumor unannounced, I wouldn't be so mad at them. Derek or Amelia? Or Karasik? I'd prefer Amelia, I think. Same. Same. Yeah. Coop's a really good doctor. I said that too. Mm-hmm. He, especially with the kids. He's so yeah. great with them. Yeah. Have we seen way too many child patients in like a total of 13 episodes so far? Yes, I want to see more adults. But it's always a treat to see how Cooper how Cooper interacts with them. Yeah. He's, he's got that spark. I love seeing Cooper and Charlotte finally engage more seriously, um, both outside of and inside the bedroom, as Charlotte, you know, starts to open up and let him in. I really like this, you know, the talking. We haven't seen a lot of that so far. I think I could see this going going more than the season-long fling I had originally and predicted. I don't know if it will, but I'm if this ends up going on for longer than a season— I won't be mad about it like mm-hmm. I thought I would be before this episode. Okay. Also, Charlotte, you're refusing to give him a full-out serious relationship, but you deleted your profile and are, like, confused about why he still has 10. That's on you, Charlotte. If you want a serious relationship, you can have that discussion about deleting the apps. But if you're not giving him that, he has every right to be on the apps. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on to Sharbat. Okay. Um, what's your first note for her? Woof. Yeah. This is is a lot. And it's, you know, at first I just felt really bad for her in this situation. Mm-hmm. As it went on, it got more complicated. Mm-hmm. I still feel bad for her. Did she make the right choice with that particular lie? No. No. Absolutely not. I'm with Violet on that. But at the same time, like, She's trapped in this idea of having to live for her parents rather than for herself. What about your happiness, Sharbat? Just tell them the truth and go off with your boy and be happy. Yeah, she had no good decisions in her situation. No. No good choices, I mean. Right, exactly. Yeah, no good choices in her situation. What would you have done if you were Addison? So I forget who said it, but at the beginning, one of them said to Addison, like, she's when they didn't know what was going on. 
they said, she's the victim and you're not going to help her. I think that when you are Addison in the um, position, both like educationally and like geographically, do you know what I mean? Yeah. To help in this sort of situation, I feel like you help. Like you got to help another woman because this is, you know, it's a lose-lose situation for everyone. Right. I think you help her, right? Yeah. I do. We don't know if she had, if, first of all, we don't know if this is an, like an initial consultation before blood work and stuff to see if some people's surgery is a lot more risky than other people, right? Right. So I think that because Addison isn't in plastics, she isn't in even dermatology or something where, you know, you, you might not need this surgery to survive in which this is something where, yes, in some way, Starbot would need this, right? But it's not like a cardiac tamponade type deal. Like it's not Izzy doing burr holes in the fairy because she like the person won't survive without it it's not that i think that you have to help but i think that you need violet to like mentally be like this isn't going to fix anything besides a cultural norm right 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 i think after you learn what's going on i think addison did all she could with talking to her and being like you're not doing this for yourself is this what you want to do right it's kind of like when i think it's in in one of the seasons someone goes in for a boob job because her boyfriend wants her to get a boob job and i don't want to compare these two situations at all but i think it's a similar thing of changing yourself and having a medical procedure that could be dangerous to make someone else feel better yeah. To go to cultural norms, right? Right. That wasn't a great comparison, but I think you are following. Yeah. They're not in the same category, but it's it's a similar situation. I think I think Addison did the right thing of quote unquote fixing her, but I'm I'm glad that she told her mother the truth. Me too. And I'm glad that Addison had that talk with her before yeah. she did a surgery. I wish she would have let Violet, but how old do we think she's supposed to be? I was thinking early 20s. I was thinking as well, but then arranged marriages ha- usually happen earlier than that. Like once you're 22, you're old for an arranged marriage. That's true. And then she said her boyfriend, her American boyfriend, has to go to college. So then I was like, is she in high school? She didn't look like she was in high school. I don't know. Um, I feel like they didn't go all the way with this storyline. I feel like they could have like fleshed things out more, not to make anything more dramatic, but just to give more background. But then again, I feel like things like this are very touchy. Yeah, they are. Violet, what's up, BB? <laughs> like, what's going on, <laughs> BB? <laughs> um, I mean, I know what's going on, Um, but it was quite the outburst. Again, Violet not dealing with her personal problems enough yes um not practicing what she preaches also are they trying to make this a parallel to what's going on at the practice because it's not working if they are 
it's certainly playing in on the whole rules theme for the episode. I felt like they were trying to be like, we have to patch this up, just like we're patching her hymen up, and I didn't like that at all. Oh, I didn't that, I didn't get that at all. Okay, good. That might have just been me reading into it. As a first-time viewer, I just got the rules connection to that thing. Okay. okay but good. I didn't get the patching up. I don't think – I hope that wasn't intended. I, I hope not. Because that's it, a little too on the nose. Yeah, it left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything more for our friend Charbot. Do you? I hope she's happy. What an entrance, Meg. Mm-hmm. So dramatic. Mm-hmm. Not quite Addison Montgomery on Grey's Anatomy level, but certainly felt like the private practice equivalent of that. Okay. It, I don't think she's going to be as significant as Addison was to the Grey's Anatomy universe, mm-hmm. but it was serving me drama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked. Were you? I was when Pete kissed her. Because Pete's like this mystery man. We don't know really anything about him except for his widow, right? Yeah. So every time something new is revealed, it just feels like such a big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. So to see him like kissing somebody other than the intern. In the lunchroom in front of everyone. Like, whoa. I had forgotten about her, but then she came on the screen and I was like, ooh, this lady. <laughs> it's fun to learn new things about him, though, like his widow, the Doctors Without Borders, yeah. his his past with Meg, which I'm sure we'll dive more into in the coming episodes, I would, would guess. We get a lot of exposition through Meg. I also love everyone playfully calling him Peter. <laughs> Peter. It's cute. It's cute. Yeah. It's like when you have a friend, like, say, a friend in college, someone from high school comes to visit them and, like, they're like, oh, I don't know. They're like, oh, so they call you Moon Pie? Here's a good comparison, Sam. When I was a child, my family decided to use a nickname for me, Jack, instead of Jackson. (laughs) And all the kids in my school would call me that up until 10th grade when I decided, no, I want to be Jackson. I want to take up my space and be the person I want to be. I'm Jackson from now on. But still, like, a lot of people from my... From my childhood, still call me that. So mm-hmm. it's weird. Um, and then when people in New York hear it, they're like, what? One person in New York is allowed to call me that um, to try to reclaim that name. But it kind of made me think of that, the whole Peter Pete versus Jack and Jackson thing. Oh, yeah. Let's yeah. go back to Meg. Okay, anyway. Um, so she has that weird gross bite on her back. Yeah. Pete has a specialty in infectious diseases, as we learned in the Sick Nun episode. How does he not recognize this bite? How does he not go more into it? He's distracted. Yeah. You'd still think he would figure out what it was, but he's an expert in that. But at the same time, it's why doctors don't treat their family. Your judgment's yeah. not clear. My only last note for Meg is that Sam working on that bite is nasty. Anything else for Meg from you? Nope. I don't have a lot of patient stuff in these episodes. These episodes seem much more practice-centered than Mm patient-centered. But Mm -hmm. I do have a lot about our election. Shall we move on? Yeah, I did all of my notes, so please take it away. All right. Here's my monologue. Addison... Thank goodness for taking leadership in this intervention. And what is, like I said earlier, what a stressful time to watch an election episode, even if it's an election that does not actually matter, like the ones we've recently experienced that are very much life and death. Mm-hmm. Dell, you were smarter than I thought using this election to get midwife hours confirmed. Good work. Moving on. Addison's blue and white dress. 
at the vote. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Beautiful. That flying pony was weird, though. It was. It felt very teenager in the early 2000s. Yeah. At this point in the episode, I said, guys, you can't go backwards. You've got to pick up the pieces, see how they fit together, and move forward. Five minutes later, Addison said the exact same thing. Correct. And then five minutes later, Addison says the exact same thing. And I'm like, oh, what? She is just slaying in this episode between trying to get the practice to move forward in a positive way rather than make things that aren't working work, um, encouraging Sharbat to make a choice that serves her rather than just her parents, mm-hmm. advocating for what she needs in the relationship, and then mm-hmm. letting go of those rules when when it feels right for her. I just thought this was peak Addison Montgomery. Bravo, queen. Great work. Now... Moving on to the vote, Sam. Who would you have voted for in this election? In my life, I I have never gone even a primary without voting. Right? I think I would need to go on to votesaveamerica.com, do my compare feature, click on both Sam and Naomi, and see whose views aligned with mine most. You've seen 13 episodes of them. Whose views align with you most? I feel like I would vote for Naomi. I feel like I would have too. Because she wasn't given a chance to speak up for herself. She was completely blindsided. Now, she did not handle it right. She did not handle it well at all. But she was totally blindsided. And she deserves a second chance. I think there needs to be more oversight. Like, they need to have... Not that, like, she needs someone to watch. Like, I don't want anyone to, like, be her boss on it. But I think that there need to be, like cc'd emails or a slack channel or you know a google drive folder where they put their profit and loss for the month in right i feel like there needs to be more like and also one person can't do it all by themselves no you've got to have committees yeah exactly i guess there would probably be one person committees yeah exactly but delegation naomi yes naomi's in charge of everything right Let's say Addison does their patient care, right? They're like, like we were talking about with their marketing stuff. I feel like Addie would be pretty good at that. Sam will handle finances. Yes, Sam can handle the bank stuff, the finances, right? Um, Cooper can do the outreach. I don't know. I haven't thought about this, but I think I think it's a co-op and they need to all do their own things. They can all re- report to Naomi to do the filing or whatever, right? But yeah, I think I yeah. would vote for Naomi. Yeah, I think I think I would have done the same. I don't love either candidate. No. But but again, I think the way Sam kind of just stole the practice from her and attacked this this attempt to turn things around in such a, I don't know, kind of, I don't want to say negative, but he certainly didn't have a good energy when doing it. It was very forceful and and didn't put their values into account at all. Yes, um, that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the main reasons that I voted for Naomi because she, what Sam was doing didn't align with their core values and their mission statement. Right. And was Naomi handling the finances well? Not at all. But again, that's why you delegate. Yes. You need someone in charge who understands those values, which is why I would have voted for her. 
now. Yes. Instead, we've had these third-party votes, but we had so many of them that the third party won. That does not happen in real life, listeners. Dear listeners, do not so do that. So please vote for the right person in real life. Anyway, but, yes. you know, she has been a leader today. She deserves deserves to be recognized as such, but also mm-hmm. how scary and stressful to be given such a major responsibility that you weren't expecting. Ah! I would be like, oh, my God, I'm not taking this. I feel like for sure there was like a Cooper, Pete, Violet, Dell conference call. Oh, absolutely. And that's that's all I've got on the election. You've got the voting all done. My first miscellaneous is about Violet's hair. The first half of the episode, she has that emo bangs, the very far side part. And the second half of the episode, her hair is different and her blazer is awesome. Yes, that, I like, love the blazer. Floral metallic. I loved it. I loved it. Gilmore Dad, who I call Christopher, <laughs> I was I was really in rare form. I was like, Christopher, if you have the weekend off, go see Rory. LOL, JK. I know he's grown. He's not Christopher, but he'll always be Christopher to me. LOL. <laughs> he was talking to Addison being like, we can go to wait, go away together. And I'm like, Christopher, go see Rory. All I have in this section is, yay, Addison, letting go of your rules when they're not working for you anymore. Congratulations. And that's my only miscellaneous note. Do you have more? I do. It's really weird that Pete and Addison are BFFs right now. They're calling each other all the time. And I yeah. feel like the last time – so Pete stood her up and then they're just like best friends now. Like I guess that they're they're making sure it's very known that Naomi and Addison are best friends right now. They're like hitting us over the head with that. But it's weird that it's Pete, right? Yeah. Um, also, I have more about the very end with Cooper and Charlotte. Coop is from Akron? Akron, Ohio? It's like an hour from where I grew up. Everybody always thinks that Pittsburgh is Philly, but Pittsburgh is the one that's closer to Ohio, and Philly's right. the one closer to right. New, New Jersey. That's correct. Um, he says he went to camp in Indiana. Now, I had to look at a map because I was not immediately aware that the state of Indiana was next to Ohio. <laughs> but it is. Um, but let me tell you that it's a you have to go across the entire state of Ohio to get to Indiana. But there is an Indiana, Pennsylvania that is about an hour away also from Pittsburgh in the opposite direction. But I feel like it might have been more, might have made more sense that Cooper went to Indiana, Pennsylvania for camp, not Indiana, the state. Also, off the top of your head, what do you think that chartreuse looks like? God, ugh. That's too stressful. I have to look it up. No, don't. Don't look it up. What does your brain say? It's Go like. your gut. It's like. I, oh, my God. Why do I not remember this? It's like a reddish, right? I thought it no, was like my a God, reddish it's, beige. It's like a yellowy, blue, so, per, yellowy e- green. Yeah. So it's either like puke green or lime. No, I didn't know what it is either. So I looked it up. It's a very weird color. I know that he likes saying chartreuse. I mean, my favorite color is purple. And purple is a really weird word to say. Purple, 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 yeah. purple. I What's like your red. favorite color? Red. red. The color of passion. The other day I was on a Zoom call and my headphones are purple. My water bottle was purple. And something else was purple. My shirt was purple. And I was like, oh, no, they're going to think I'm a purple freak. <laughs> <laughs> and it was all they're all in like the like lavender periwinkle type. So not only were they all purple, but they were all like the same color purple. And I was like, oh. 
they're gonna think I'm weird. But also, why does chartreuse vary that much? Why isn't there one color? I also thought it was like a pinky beige. No, it's not. Sam, what's our style today? In episode three, Cooper has on a striped sweater with a pastel green collar underneath. It is a wide green collar. It is a pointy green collar. And the stripes are stripey. (laughs) Thank you very much. You're welcome. And what is your guest star spotlight today? Today's guest star spotlight is Leslie Hope. She is a Canadian actress who played Linda on episode three. Her film debut was in the film Ups and Downs in 1981, and she's since appeared on film in many pictures, including Bruiser, Paris, France, Never Back Down, and Life Exposed. She's also performed on dozens of TV shows, having appeared as a series regular on 24 season one. Line of Fire, The River, and Slasher Guilty Party. Some of her notable recurring roles include characters on Commander-in-Chief, Runaway, The Strain, NCIS, The Mentalist, Suits, and then our very own Station 19, where she played Battalion Chief Frankel on three episodes of Season 1. The only episodes of Station 19 that I've seen are the ones that are super crossover with Grace, so I don't think I've seen her on that. Yeah, I've, I haven't either. I've only seen crossover episodes and then all of the current season. Anyway, her resume is incredibly impressive. She's been on so many TV shows and so many movies, and I'm, I'm impressed by the longevity of her career. Love to see that for her. Um, I always love seeing people who have been, been around continue to work consistently for decades and decades like that. It excites me. So that's, that's our guest star spotlight for the day. I love that. Can you tell me what's in the jukebox? What's going to be playing in that jukebox? Absolutely. So Meg, Meg's going to stick around for a bit. She's going to have a fling with Pete, and we're going to learn key information about his past through her. I feel like we're going to get a lot of character development from Pete as exposed through through Meg's dialogue. Yeah, his exposition is really, really in there through that. Yeah. Second... I think that Cooper and Charlotte are going to move in a more serious direction. I think they're going to remain pretty secretive for a while still, but I do think they're going to talk more um, and have have a more meaningful relationship. So that's exciting. Third, and finally, I think that Addison will hate running the practice as it will interfere with her commitments to both her patients and her new relationship, and she's going to give up that position within the season. And that's my jukebox. Shall we move on to ratings and our MVPs? Yes, let's. Who's your MVP, Sam? It was a difficult decision, but I chose Dell for trying to move forward from the past and sticking up, sticking to his principles during the process. I like that. I like that. That was a good choice. A good choice, Sam. I chose Addison Montgomery for... Taking leadership in the practice as everyone fought over the impending vote, trying to encourage Charbat to live for herself, advocating for her needs and wants in her relationship, and then finding the bravery to live in the moment when it felt appropriate. Okay. Okay, I love it. What's your rating, I love Sam? It. So it really felt to me like these episodes were like cleaning up the beach after a party you didn't want to go to. I feel like 
Addison is the new kid on the block trying to do all this stuff, right? And Violet is, like, having to clean up after Sam being, like, quick, quick appointments, quick appointments. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll just give you this sleeping medicine. No, I won't because that's not ethical and that goes against my moral self. And Sam mm-hmm. has to clean up after Naomi's stuff. Um, Cooper has to clean up after, well, his past on the websites, but also after the doctors that did not properly diagnose. I just feel like it's a lot of cleaning up. Yeah, it is. And now Addison's going to have to clean up the mess of Sam and Naomi. My rating was watching a thunderstorm from a screened-in porch. There's a lot of messiness. There is a lot of drama, but it's very satisfying to watch it from the comfort of my home. Okay. Okay. I like it. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at Podcast, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor to be the first to hear future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at all.that.jax. And you can follow me at Samantha G. Harris on all social media. Theme music for this episode was composed by Samantha G. Harris. If you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with a friend. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash bhabpodcast. On our next episode, we'll be discussing Private Practice Season 2, Episodes 5 and 6. They're available to stream on Netflix and Hulu and can be purchased on iTunes, Amazon, DVD, and more. If you have thoughts you'd like to share on these episodes, please DM us on Instagram at bhabpodcast or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye! T-G-I-T. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do